welcome back. It's me, the Susan Anime, and you are listening to Slop Under the Sea with me. And we will be talking about movies, TV shows, books, fun holidays, everything from other countries to does this still hold up to this day? From, like, rub brats to, like, as told by Ginger, to Movie Monday, to True Creepy Things Tuesday, to whatever I feel like talking about, because this is my podcast, and I hope you all will stay and listen to me and have some good old-fashioned podcast fun, and we'll try to stay as calm as we can, but let's get into it, and let's all have some fun listening, and you can also see me sometimes on YouTube doing my podcast as well. Okay, here we go. Which is beyond messed up because it's like, really, we, like, the family trusted her. Court knew Bedford Juvenile Court, full case name, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts versus Michelle, Diana Carter submitted February 4th, 2015, decided June 16, 2017, verdict guilty of involuntary manslaughter, case history, substance action, defendant was sentenced to two and a half years in prison, sentence later reduced to 15 month case option. Decision by Lawrence Monnes. Michelle Carter was in directed on February 4th, 2015 and arranged the following day a new Bedford Juvenile Court in Taunton, Massachusetts on case of involuntary manslaughter. The grand jury found enough to charge her with warmly and recklessly assisting the suicide. She was 17 at the time and the court directed her as a youthful offender rather than a juvenile, meaning she could be sentenced as an adult. In June 2015, a district court judge denied a defense motion to remove the Bristol County Directive Attorney Office from the protection. The defense argued the DA Thomas M. Quinn III should be removed because he is first cousins to Roy's grandmother, Janice Roy, and the, therefore Carter's first cousin twice removed. However, Quinn had already handed the case over to his deputy DM William McCauley on July 21st. On July 1st, 2016, on an appeal to the ground jury in document here by the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court was also denied allowing the case to go forward. Justice Robert J. Cord, writing for the anonymous court, found that that was a problem caused to sustain the manslaughter indictment. On Monday, June 5th, 2017, the day before the trial was 
scheduled to begin, Carter waived her right to a jury. Therefore, the case was heard by a judge, Lawrence Montes, in the Bristol County Juvenile Court of Massachusetts in Tanton. Carter was presented by Joseph P. Catalo and Corey Madderry and there was a limited legal presence for presiding the encouragement of suicide. I'm calling him a C. Initially asked a Taunton juvenile court judge for a summary dismissal arguing that Carter's texts were projected under the First Amendment and that the text history showed that Roy had been C-O-N-T-E-N-P-L-A-T-I-N-G Suicide without Carter's input The judge declined this motion on June 26, 2017, Montez found Carter guilty of involuntary manslaughter. He stated prior to his ruling that it was Carter's phone calls with Roy when he was in his truck gassing himself as directed by Carter's text to friends rather than the preceded text messages that caused him to go through with the killing. So the Hulu has the girl from Plainville. Is inspired by a true story of Michelle Carter, unprecedented text suicide case, based on the Carter article of the same name by Joseph Barn. The Limit series explores Carter's relationship with Conrad Wood III and the events that led up to his death. Later, her conversation of involuntary manslaughter. Episode 1, Blank Space, Coco's Last Day, Michelle struggles with the future. The Carters and Roy's both try to find closure after tragedy. The defense hopes that testimony of P Dr. Pete Bridgen will clinch Michelle's co-struggle with regret. Coco relies on Michelle to through a suicide. Michelle continues to be haunted by the past and the verdict is read. The trial begins and a new Michelle emerges. The prosecution lays out Michelle's involvement in Coco's death and Leroy takes the stand. Michelle finds help for her eating disorder while Coco dives deeper into his depression. So yeah, check that out. Michelle Carter's text message, Suicide Child, revisited in 2020 special words to die by at 9 Central. New York, when Michelle Carter was hit with manslaughter charge from her role in the suicide of boyfriend Har Carter Roy III, the news rocked a grieving family and consume the nation. The investigation and Carter's role are backed in the spotlight following the premiere of Hulu's limited series, The Girl from Plainville. ABC News is taking a look at the case with a two-hour 2020 airing on April 8th. The program looks at three years' investigation and trial. 
and concludes interviews with Floyd's family. Tonight, can words kill the shocking 2020 true crime event special premiering tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC, streaming on Hulu? I don't think that she held him, helped him kill himself, Floyd's aunt Kim told ABC News 2020 2017 as she, she forced him to kill himself. Roy, 18, died of carbon and oxide poisoning inside his truck, which was parked outside of a Kmart in Farm Heaven, Fair Heaven, Massachusetts, on July 12, 2014. Roy, in a note left behind, apologized and asked his family to live the life to the fullest. Bazo said Roy struggled with depression and family tried to help him deal with his mental issues. Evidence recorded by investigators showed that Roy shared his inner turmoil and thoughts with Carter, with whom he had an online relationship. Prosecutors said that Carter, then 17, had been texting Roy for months about his bouts of depression and in some messages encouraged him to go forward with suicide. She was arrested in 2015 and charged with involuntary manslaughter. Carr's trial decided by Massachusetts Judge Lawrence, and not a jury, began two years later. During the two-week bench trial, some of the texts exchanged following Roy's death were read out loud with Roy's family in attendance. I couldn't have stopped him, Carter texted a classmate two months after Roy's death, according to testimony during the trial. Carter texted that she and Roy on the phone the day of his suicide when Roy got out of the got out of the car he was scared Carter texted that she told him to get back in see I don't really like her Buzza said the most unbelievable part of Carter's action was how she acted after the fact. She texted my niece a couple of hours, hey, do you know where your brother is? Then she texted him, his mom the next day, oh, hey, have you heard from Conrad? Knowing all along, she said, after the death of her friend. Detectives approached Michelle Carter at school and asked her about her relationship with Conrad Roy III and what she texted him. Carter did not tell the full story. Carter's defense attorney claimed that she had previously tried to talk to Roy out of harming himself, pointing to one conversation where Roy told Carter he regretted dragging her into his plan to kill himself. Ultimately, Montoff found Carter guilty of him voluntary manslaughter and described her behavior as reckless. It was an unprecedented case that landed Michelle Carter in prison after she texted messages to encourage her boyfriend to kill himself. While announcing the verdict, Montas said that Carter instructed Roy to get back in the truck while knowing all of the feelings he had encouraged exchanged with her. His fear, his concern, the judge sends Carter to two and a half years in prison with 15 months served and the rest suspended. She was also sentenced to five years probation.
I hope we all learn something from this and we do not do what she did. And if you see someone texting you that they want to kill themselves, they're depressed, talk to a person. Ask an adult what to do. If you are an adult, maybe try to mention to someone and say, what should I do about this? I'm not really sure. How should I handle this? Let's try to make some good decisions. Check out my podcast to hear me talk about death row. Ironically, I guess. It's ironic. I'm not really sure if it is. I chose that before I picked this. I picked this case. I picked both. I just... I remember this case, then I saw Hulu brought it back out, and I'm like, oh, okay. So I wanted to mention it again. I hope y'all learned something, and I don't mean any harm to anyone. I'm just talking about the case. I'm sorry for his family. I'm sorry for what happened. Okie dokie, artichokey. It's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in, because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okay, dokie, Artichokey. Ad break is now. Let's continue. Okay. In 1674, Morgan was knighted by King Charles II. I want to say the second, and dispatched to Jamaica as deputy governor. He lived out his days on the island as a planter of considerable means, and his legendary legend continues as the inspiration for Captain Morgan Run. At the turn of the 18th century, piracy had become so rampant in colonies of the Americas and throughout the West Indies that it was hampering trade and European nations resolved to bring the piracy to an end. The governor is the colonies worked with ship captains to trace the pirates' whereabouts and develop a network of spies to serve as informants. They also increased Harsonated former pirates and forced them to reveal information about their former brethren. England's King George I, I want to say, in 1770, of fear and act of grace or animosity to those who would renounce piracy. Warships were stationed off the coast of the Americas and in the Caribbeans. The crackdown began to produce results. Blackbeard was killed off the Carolines in 1718. Barry Lomo Roberts in 1722. Between 1700 and 1728, 
There were 27 trials in place from Newport R.I. to Jamaica, according to Under the Black Flag. Charles Van was executed in 1721. Robert Stephens, 1722. And the trial of his men that followed became a milestone. 52 men were hung and 17 others sentenced to jail in wrapping an area of London. Pirates were pardoned from Marshall Prison to an extradition dock and their hangings became popular entertainment. Often their bodies were left to swing in the wind for days and even weeks. In a parallel development, the laurel of Spain treasure in the New World dimed and some of the pirates who remained relocated to North Africa's Baybar Coast, fueling a new generation of pirates in place such as Trollpoles, Tunis, Allergies, and Marcos. These are the pirates whom Thomas, whom Tom as Jefferson went to war. On safe heaven in the early 17th century, the island of Hispaniola and Rico off its coast were stopped being places for pirates. In 1606, the King of Spain ordered inhabitants to move close to Santo Dominion for the persecution. Play in his studio in Wilm. Minton D. E. 1898, Pyro's 1899, Oil Painting, Deaf Man Tell No Tales. Howard Pyle, a 17th century illustrator dressed pirate with flair. If Robert Lewis Seven's son is the author whose prose shaped the way the public thinks the pirates today, uh, word Pyle, 1853 to 1911, is the artist and teacher whose illustrations have provided the virtual Sue's. The Delaware-born Pyle, best known for children, volume The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood, is the most famous, dressed in his pirate to jump off the page. Their style was part Spanish gypsy, part 16th century sailor. These wore loose, wide-legged pants and wrapped their heads in colorful scars. They wore waist satchets and a sail golden earring. Much of this was pure invasion, but the images captured the imagination and continue to this day. Powell's work influenced student, including Maxfield Parish and N.C. Waters, and has been cited as an inspiration for Pirates of the Caribbean. The attacks are not unlike those of the Golden Age, relying on speed, surprise, and intimidation. With, in 1801, the first six ships of the U.S. Navy were built in response to allegories, sizers of America's ships, and who continued to terrorize the Mediterranean 
until the French cores of allergy in 1830, but piracy by no means died out, and today's history is repeating itself in places like Somalia, the Amazon, and Southern Asia. Starting in about 2005, Somalians began attacking fishing vessels that they claimed were trespassing off the coast. Those raids soon shifted into hijacking of commercial boats and million ransom demands. One 2009 episode even inspired a Hollywood thriller Captain Phillips starring Tom Hanks with the format of the European Union counter piracy naval force in 2008. The assault taped off, toppered off, there were none in 2015, but concerns that the violence had turned driven by feminism to drought and the influence of the Islamic state were revived in the early part of 2017 when Somalia pirates waylaid four ships in the course of a month. In South Asia, teams of criminals coordinate to seal, steal cargoes of liquid fluid and on the Amazon drug gang had led to a surge of pirate attacking, robbing, killing, and dismembering riverboat workers and passengers. The attacks are not unlike those of the Golden Age, relying on speed, surprise, and, and intimidation. The pirate travel in high-speed boats and come armed with granted launchers and caloscopes instead of cattle, catless and cowvine as Arshin Hissen Seawood wrote in the Pirates of Barbay, an account of commercial piracy dating to the 17th century. Released in 2010 in the midst of a new wave of piracy, Tennis Woods' books is both timely and timeless. As I write of how a handful of men using small boats, scaling ladders, and sheer nerve had managed to hold the world to ransom in the 17th century. I watch on TV as a handful of men using small boats, scaling, oh, sheer TV as a handful of men using small boats, scaling ladders, and sheer near nerve were managing to hold the world to ransom in the 21st century, he wrote. Who were the pirates? Not just romantic figures of his storybook. Now, in, in centuries past, there are murder-time terrorists and villains, dangerous and violent. The U.S. merchant marines estimate the global privacy today costs shippers $4.9 billion to $8.3 billion a year. The King's pardon. With pirates plungering slave ships and threading trades in the West Indians in the early 18th century, England's King George I knew he had to protect his colonies. 
reasoning that many pirates were former pirateers who would benefit from a fresh start on September 5, 1717. The merchant issued a proclamation any pirate who surrendered to a British governor within a year would be pardoned for all acts of piracy committed prior to June 5, 1718. Takers would be allowed to join lawful society. Those who did not would be hunted down. The king put a bounty on their heads. Military and colonial personnel who brought in a low-level crewman would be renewed. 25 for a senior officer. The bounty was 50 and rogue pirate captains were worth 100 more than 22,000 today. News of the Anastas E-M-N-E-S-T-Y spread slowly, but word of mouth to ensure that the pirates of Nicey got the message a British, a British governor dispatched his son with printed copies of the proclamation to circulate. In just a few hours, the whole island had heard the news. Many pirates took the pardon only to return to pirating anyway. Those who kept their pledge, like Benjamin Horngold, were often recited as pirate hunters to take down those who refused. Of two minds, one word of George's first offer of clemency arrives in Nasha, the pirate splits into camps. Those who welcome the return to society and those who consider themselves rebels against the establishment and crowd. Here are George first and anonymy, 18th century. Pirates on the silver screen. Hey, Captain Hook, Pirates of the Caribbean. So, the Robin Hood. Pirate films have captivated Hollywood since the 1920s, with heroes and anti-heroes who ride the high seas, engage in swordplay, resource demolish, and can be wearing a frilly white blouse with amblope. The film's glamorous setting offers audiences an escape, and they're cast as popular populated with underdogs and outlaws. Two arcusy types beloved by American filmgoers say Gino Basker, a professor of film study at Westland University, Pirate Challenge Authority and Challenge Oppression. You can shed it policy and socially. Here, Bang Basslinger helps decode pirate cinema. Do I have to cite this next one? It says the Black Pirate. Oh boy. Film bus remember this 1926 silent film about a nobleman who joins a pirate crew for a stunt in which Douglas 
Fairbanks pledges a dagger into a sailor and slides down the fabric toward the deck. Pirates rotate for the silent air studio system, says Basinger. They were excellent visual effects, costume ships. It was a great visual escape former. Once the studio system collapsed, however, it became too costly to make pirate films. They enjoyed a comeback with the adventures of computer-generated imagination technology. The Seahawk. I guess these are just film names. The Early Flynn Ventricle was released in 1940 after the outbreak of World War II and portrayed an English pie privateer who defends Britain against the Spanish fleet set on invading England and overthrowing Queen Elizabeth I. You understand that the Spanish represented faction force and that the English are England, says Bay Singer, the pirate. In this 1948 musical, Judy Garland plays a young woman in the Caribbean who dreams of marrying the legendary pirate Mac the Black Mako. Garland's co-star a romantic interest in Gene Kelly who's subverting audiences expectation is not Mako but pretends to be to win Garland's affection. The pirate turns out to be the portly mayor, Don Pedro. He tries to have Kelly's character executed. Chase, then a happy ending ensures. The film is another example of Hollywood seeking to revocate the gene, says Bearson, this time by making it a musical. The Crimson Pirate, Bert. Lancaster played Chaplin Vellon or the Crimson Pirate who accidentally gets caught up in a rebellion on a Caribbean island. The 1952 comedian involves double crossing, cross dressing, navigating, and more twists than a plate of fusée. By this time, you've reached a point when pirate movies were getting old, says. Basinger to ensure audiences, the filmmakers decide to make the pirate film in a new direction, the parody. Peter Pan. Okay, we all know who Peter Pan is. In the beloved 1953 film based on um, J.M. Barry play, Disney update the pirate gene with animation and technicolor. Barry's inspiration for the evil Captain Hook was an early century British preacher, John Mara, who had a hook for a hand that he told prisoners he had lost in an accident. It turned out that before entering the ministry, Mara had been a vicious pirate. Yeah, that makes sense. Treasure Island. Robert Lewis Stevenson, 1883, novel 
Treasure Island has substantially shaped the public presence of pirates and inspired multiple films with long drawn silver being portrayed by actors such as Owen Wells, Carlton Harrison, and Tim Carey, who starred in a Muppet and Treasure Island has to stick to its own self, but it can be shaped. The plague leg Long John Silver can be more brutal or less brutal. Court Rylet Island. It had action, it had adventure, it had box office darling Gina Davis as a pirate captain. Yet the 1995 comedy still failed to win over audiences in part because it was ahead of its time, says Bay Singer. Today, you have women as adventurous heroes, and it is accepted by Davis as one of the first, and moviegoers are not yet ready. The story didn't seem to fit the people, Bay Singer said. Pirates of the Caribbean, which is a known Disney film. When Pirates of the Caribbean came out, I wondered if people would go for it, remembered Bay Singer, but... What director Gore Verbison did was take the pirate film in a new direction, infusing it with elements of horror, she says, plus the film starred the very popular Johnny Depp. He had the look of a pirate, and he had the style and humor to keep it together, says Bay Singer. Yeah, I'm just reading this, so don't get too mad at me. The Pirates in the Social Hierarchy of 16th century England, sailors fail somewhere between farm laborers and common criminals. They were outcasts on land and abused on board merchants and Royal Navy ships. The work was dangerous and the discipline notoriously brutal with cap benizing metting out flaggers for even minor mistakes. It was little wonder that some sailors defect to the other side of the law. Benjamin <sighs> Horengold Edward Tech, later known as Blackbeard. Oh, so you're Blackbeard. Jeez, Benjamin, you could have just said you were Blackbeard. That's creepy. The Blackbeard and Black Sam Belly and me all began their careers as common sailors. So did Pirate King Henry Every. Today, through the prism of time, these Mediterranean outlaws can also be viewed as part of a political and social revolt. They embraced other marginalized, oh, ma marginalized members of society, including runaways, slaves, and indented servants and ran their ships as Democrats. They defy imperial rule and in doing so help inspire colonials to determine their own freedom. A bloody contest, John Burt, one of the 17th century's most successful pirates and French Navy commander Claude de Forbidden battled the British in May 1689. They were both captured and taken to Plymouth 
but escaped. We will talk more about this later. Hope you all enjoy it. Okie dokie, artichoke, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope you all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope you all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okie dokie, Artichokey. Break it now. And welcome back to the cringiest podcast apparently on the podcast market today. What do I know? I know nothing. One, I am tired. Two, the weather around here has been ridiculously crazy. Raining. Sunny. Raining. Sunny. Thunderstorm. Super sunny. It, it, it's ridiculous. So, if my podcast goes in and out, I'm sorry. But shouldn't, because we have a generator, because we have so many issues. We live in, like, the, I don't know if it's suburbs or ur- urban. We have foxes in our backyard, but also we have, like, bridges. It's very weird out here. <laughs> it's very weird. I'm using my little unicorn phone chair. And I do not have my headphones plugged in because they are on charge. Okay, movie Monday. Okay, so I'm so bad and I'm so sorry. I did a movie I've already seen multiple times, but I wanted to talk about it because I am obsessed with this movie. It helped me when I realized, wait, some of the stuff I went through was abuse. I didn't think it was, but apparently it was. Wait, there was someone who could have helped me? Oh, dang, I wish I would have known about that. You mean Dyfus being called 15 to 20 times was not uh, literally going to help? Yeah, apparently they can't do much. Your parents sometimes mentally more than physically harm you, so they can't really do anything? Yeah, still messes with you, though? Yep. And that movie is called A Love for a Child. Edward Lane are gaining popularity in mainstream media and even appear on popular television shows including the Mary Griffin Show, the Tom Snyder Show, A Haunting, A Scary Place Where <gasps> Excuse me. I just took some nasal spray. Okay. As their notoriety grew, the Warrens expanded their audience to media appearances, speaking arrangements in college, lectures, tours, or all in an attempt to prove that the devil was real. The Warrens continued to make television appearances throughout their career, and Lorraine even had a cameo in the contract. While the Warrens gained popularity, they gained criticism. 
in an effect to prove their abilities were not fake. Lauren underwent scientific testing by psychologists at UCLA. The team of scientists that ex experimented Lorraine was led by Dr. Thelma Moose Moose Moose. After extensive studies, they determined Lauren was light transmedium. Lauren's encountered a substance during the paranormal investigation of Jake and Jeanette's normal. While investigating the Snorrel family, I determined that entity that was haunting them was a substance, a specific name given to a demon that permanently attacks males. Other notable investigations include the Heron family house in Harrisville, Rhode Island, and Annabelle, a demonic possession Raggedy Yandel gifted to a nurse student. The Perrin family story served as the inspiration for The Conjuring, the story of the doll, and what became a trilogy with The Conjuring universe. When the Warrens effects to remove the sperm from the Morals house failed, they received reinforcements from a future Pope, Pope Benefs XVI. At the time of the Smurl haunting, Pope B was known as C-A-R-D-I-A-L Ratchesinger. The Warrens connected the Catholic Church and described the haunting happening at the small house. C assigned an exorcist from the Catholic Church who went to the house performed a ritual of excursion. I think that's all I could find on them. I hope y'all enjoyed and had a great week. Okie dokie, artichoke, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today and the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichoke. Okie dokie, Artichoke. Ah, break it now. I hope you all like. You can check me out on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I also have another podcast. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Bye for now. Over and out.